Hi there, MNBC family. It's good to be with you today uh, through the podcast as we do our midweek sermon review and discussion here with uh, with your pastors. We don't have Pastor Dave today. He's away on vacation, uh, but it's me and Spencer and Pastor Scott as well. So we are coming really close to wrapping up Ephesians together. This week we focus on Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 19 through 20, this is where Paul, at the end of talking about the armor of God, he went into prayer in verse 18, and in verse 18 he said, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So this was uh, two weeks ago, this was the the message that we focused on. I did read a quote, though, from uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones that referenced this part of the passage, the very end of 18, where it says, making supplication for all the saints. And uh, we spent a little time at the beginning of the service talking about how it is very important for us to be praying for one another, even as a church body. Yes, we should be praying for all of the saints all around the world. That's something we should be thinking about. Our brothers and sisters, definitely, who are facing persecution for their faith, uh, great struggles for their faith, but yet they still... Uh, prove their faith over and over again by being faithful uh, to God each and every day. Uh, But we need to be praying here in this local community, this body, uh, for one another. But in order to do that, we have to know one another. We have to be together. We have to share our, our needs together, our hurts. But also, not just those things, but we need to share our excitements together, our praises, our thanksgiving uh, and that's always something we could do better. I'm sure each and every one of us, we, we struggle with that to some extent. Uh, but what Lloyd-Jones said to me that, that was pretty telling, and I'd like to get your guys' thought on it, he said both medically but also spiritually. He, is, he was a, a doctor, a full-fledged uh, a doctor, who then became a pastor later. Uh, but he was saying that a lot of times what he finds is there are people who put themselves off on kind of islands and their spirituality becomes too personal. It's just about them and how Satan then uses that, how the devil uses that is to get them to start to think that they are the only one struggling with certain things or, you know, they're the only one facing this illness or this sickness or this financial struggle or these marital problems or whatever, whatever the case is. And then you start to despair you start to even get this sense of woe is me and Satan then has you and, and you've won. And so one of the one of the benefits or privileges of sharing our needs, our hurts and, and those different things with each other is you start to say, wow, I mean, it's like you're describing what I'm going through right now. And then you you feel in some ways encouraged to know I'm not alone in this. They're actually going through something very similar. Maybe we can pray for each other. Maybe we can lean on each other. Or maybe as you're sharing it, uh, a senior saint would say, I remember 20 years ago, I went through the exact, what you're saying, very, very similar, similar thing. And uh, and so there's a, there's a benefit there to where it's almost like a weight is lifted off your shoulders, but, but not maybe the actual problem hasn't disappeared, but it's like, man, I'm not in this alone. I was just curious uh, if you guys have seen this, maybe even felt this at times uh, in your in your own life, and maybe if you had a response on what, uh, what the doctor there was saying. No, I thought that was, I personally really, I mean, I, res, I think everybody probably resonates with that. Um, 
No, just you. Just me. I'm, <laughs> you're, am you're I so you're unique <laughs> that yeah. I'm the only person? Um, no, I think that that is that is one of the most powerful. Um, that's a really powerful form of uh, a spiritual advice and wisdom to give to people, uh, because one of the things that happens, um, especially if we're a Christian and we're now alive and aware of the presence of sin in a new way to a new depth, we can become very concerned about the darkness that we see in our own souls. And, um, and we look at that and we become very concerned and we think, wow, I'm the only person who is this messed up and no one here at church Christianity. Then we, we think, right. Wow. I, I am so, I'm so messed up and I can't let people know about that. And who can I talk to about this problem? Cause they're all going to think I'm weird. And I think the reality is, is that it's comforting for people to realize that at the bottom of all of us, at the core of our being is that same dark, massy, original sin from which all of our actual sins are simply, they're simply symptoms and fruits of a much deeper problem. So I've heard it read, I heard before. There's actually this, this book called The Hammer of God, and he, they talk about this problem. There's a young pastor, and he's like, um, he's, he's now coming to the realization of the depth of his sin, and he's like, you know, I've got this horrible problem, and his other friend is like, oh, you too. And he's, he says, oh, you too, you've got those same things. And he's like, and he's like how, can you, how can you be say that with a calm face whenever you realize all these problems? And the guy says, listen, um, one of the things he tells him, just as much as we've got lungs and heart and all those things, so each of us also have this sin, this original sin, this hard rock, rocky heart inside of us. And he says, but, and then he points him to Christ, but Christ has come. And 1,800 years ago, it was because it was written at a time in the past, but, or it was the setting was in the past, but he says, our, our situation changed and Christ came and, and just reminding them of the gospel. I think one of the things that reminds me is that the gospel always comes to us. And I've heard it said this way, like the gospel comes to us on the lips of another, because it's one thing for us to sit here and read the Bible and we should read the Bible personally and to hear it. And we believe the text of scripture, but it's, it, there is something unique whenever a brother or a sister, and, and this is why we go to preaching, mm-hmm. tells us outside of ourselves and tells us the gospel. Mm-hmm. I can read it and it's true and I believe it, but it's also, there's a, there's an added component. I feel like um, whenever someone else brings me the good news, um, but you know, blessed are the feet of those who, who proclaim good news, the Romans 10. There's a reason why God just didn't give us a book to read, but he gave preachers to preach from the book mm-hmm. because there's some added component about somebody else coming to me and reminding me of that truth. And that's why you need other Christians in your life. You need other people to bring the gospel message to you. Um, because that's the way faith grows. It does grow through reading the text, but it also grows through hearing the word. And you need other people around you to remind you of that, mm-hmm. that you're not alone and that Christ has died for us. Yeah. Something I was thinking as you were talking about that, Tim, is that, I mean, I don't think Lloyd-Jones was saying this, but I would think that it's true is that uh, people that are younger are especially prone to thinking like that just because there's not as much water under the bridge so to speak, of a lot of the things that we experience in our lives. And I mean, like we as in this room, because we all are pretty young. A lot of the things we experience in this life are still the first time maybe that we've experienced it. Like I think even back to a conversation, even in recent history of of like with an older church member here, and we were like explaining a situation that was going on and they were like, oh yeah, that happened like 40 years ago, (laughs) you know? And like what seems like a big deal to us 
you know, trying to lead and shepherd the church now, they've already been through that once, maybe even twice, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just, that highlighted to me, you know, my own inexperience and need for older saints to be, not just to be in community with others, but specifically to be in community with other older saints that can help ground us, you know. Yeah, and this is why as a church we have set up Sunday school, we have set up home groups, and we encourage people to be a part of those things, uh, or like the youth meet on on a Wednesday night, kind of in a smaller setting, just the youth together. Our kids have Sunday school classes where they get to be together, but where we encourage and say, you guys need to take some of these, some of the, those times to pray, uh, and it's because of this. It's it's just. Uh, more intimate of a setting, smaller number of people where you can be praying for each other, uh, caring for each other as well. And there's just more time for that. Uh, that is kind of hard to do in a Sunday morning service or even a Sunday evening service when we're all gathered together. And so I encourage you, you know, if you're listening to really think through that. And again, one of the things that Satan does is how he puts us on an island. And I hear this so often is for people. It's like, yeah, I guess that stuff just isn't for me, though. It's like... It is, it is for you, like you, you need it, and uh, and so we don't say these things or advertise these things. At least I don't I, for Sunday school to have numbers. I don't care about that. Um, we do it because uh, we see the need for that, and prayer is one of those aspects. Bible study is an aspect. Just fellowship with other believers is a is an aspect of those things, and so I hope that you uh, use those things that the church offers uh, and use them often. Uh, so that you can continue to grow uh, in God and his grace. Yeah, something real quick, just like what you said, of somebody who says that they don't need those things, that the author of Hebrews specifically mentions that one of the tools given to you to guard you against the deceitfulness of sin are your brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, that's ex- and that's exactly what we're talking about, the deceitfulness of mm-hmm. sin. Yeah. And it's it's specifically mentioned in Scripture, so there is... There is no Christian who should be able to say, that's not for me, or I don't need that. It might not look like in your life what it looks like in another person's life, mm-hmm. um, but like you, you do need that. Mm-hmm. God has prescribed it. Sure, absolutely. Well, this week we got to verses 19 through 20, and Paul pleads for the church to pray for him. So he says, and also for me, talking about prayer, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Um, Paul's asking for prayer for himself as he fulfills what God has called him to do, but we also see a recognition here in these verses of Paul's situation, Uh, But an understanding to him, Paul's mind, that just because of the situation he faces, which is being imprisoned, doesn't stop what God has done for him, but also his calling in in serving the Lord still. Uh, Paul might not be able to be there face-to-face with this church, but it seems as he can write letters, he can get letters out, he can encourage them in that way, which then gives us scripture, which is uh, an amazing thing to think about how God would use that uh, in his plan. But... Asking for prayer for yourself, uh, just in general, I find difficult, personally. Uh, There's some who are better at it than me, for sure, but it's something that I've always found to be be difficult. Uh, 
I don't ask about it. I don't ask hardly ever. I mean, even in family prayer time, when we're thinking, we, we always, you know, what do we need to be praying for as a family? My stuff just never seems to come up. I don't know why it, that is. Uh, maybe it is a pride thing. Um, but I find it hard to uh, seek out prayer from people. Uh, how about you guys? I mean, um, am I on an island on this on my own? Maybe maybe way, yep. way farther off than you guys. I, I think one of the things to point out is Paul is asking for prayer to fulfill, and, and this is helpful, he's asking for prayer to fulfill the calling God has given him. Mm-hmm. You mentioned before he doesn't ask to get out of prison. He right. says, I want words to be given to me so that I, because I'm an ambassador in chains. Mm-hmm. So the prayer that he's asking for is something that he knows God has called him to do. So help me to be faithful in the calling God's given me. Yeah. So it's not... Paul isn't just saying, you know, hey, like you said, I, w- I would really like to get out of here or a bunch of those kinds of prayers. It's it here. It's to fulfill my callings. And we could pray similarly because yeah, we we all know God has given us callings, vocations in this life, yeah. whether that be in the family or in the mm-hmm. church or in the state or at your job. Help me to do those things because you have put me there. Um, and so in that sense, it's not selfish either. Because he's asking for help for God to do, it's actually more about God's action then. It's about God working through Paul to make the gospel go forth and about where God has put Paul in his vocation. So it's actually, in that sense, not even a selfish prayer. Um, Maybe I was a little unfair to this passage, honestly, too, because every commentator, everything that I read was all about praying for your pastor. And I did try to water that down. (laughs) <laughs> the best that I could. I still brought it out, I think, in the message uh, to be praying for us as pastors and those who are teaching. Uh, but again, because it's uncomfortable. It is extremely uncomfortable to stand in that pulpit and look at everybody and just talk about, you should be praying for me. That's just weird. But like you said, uh, it's not pray for me, specifically. it's like, I pray that God will work. This is something God has called me to do. You guys have voted me here to teach and to preach and the other pastors here to do this. So pray that God will work in us and remind us of who we are. And there, cause there is a personal component to it, right? To where we could become prideful or arrogant or start to uh, want success in other venues or areas instead of just being in, in faithfulness. So praying for those things, but it still is very uncomfortable. So to be honest, I tried my best to preach in a way that was faithful to Scripture, but also try to say you should be asking for requests for yourself. Well, I think you brought up something that, I mean, it's very true. I mean, people have, it's not just you. No, So, no, you're not on an island. Mm-hmm. I think everybody has difficulty seeking out prayer for themselves from other people. And so, I mean, Spencer, you just addressed one of what I think might concern people of, like, it seems selfish at times for me to want to have prayer from other people. But I think the other side of it is not just selfishness, but also fear of normally like things that you would ask for prayer for are things that like really bug you or you have to kind of open up about things you're struggling with to someone else. And I would guess that there's a lot of people who don't have people, very many people in their life like that, that they feel comfortable having that kind of conversation with. So it's kind of fearful at mm-hmm. times even mm-hmm being able to be that comfortable around people to do that. Um, it's also not its not a normal thing to talk about 
it's uh, it's a very sometimes very serious thing, and a lot of times people don't like introducing serious conversations into their friendships with people. I guess I'll say this though. Um, I get an email from a church member every week on Sunday night. Sometimes it's Monday morning, depending on their schedule, probably asking me, what can I pray for you this week? I think you guys might get that email as well. Uh, I don't say this to like belittle anybody. So don't take it this way. It's the only person who asks me that. I mean, once in a great while, I'll get somebody else in the church say, hey, uh, is there anything you want me to pray for? That does happen at times. But this person does it uh, each and every week. And I know it's coming to the point to where now I actually think about it. Like, what do I want to say? What am I going to ask for? And I've really tried to not just like be generic or push aside. Like, I've, I've tried to be honest about it. And I have found it to be kind of, uh, I don't know what the word would be, like freeing. It, it feels it feels good to be able to type that out on an email, whatever it is. And sometimes it's as basic as uh, I'm coming to a passage that I'm not too sure about. Just pray as I say. But to others, it's like my kids are facing this or I have this coming up or whatever. And, and just trying to be as open as, as possible. And it really has been a, a blessing to me that that keeps happening and, and keeps uh, going on. Where in my life, I would say, I don't need that. You know, I, I don't need people to say thank you. I don't need you to keep worrying about me. I'm here to help with that. But this person has just kept doing it regardless. And there is something kind of nice to it. Now, if I get a flood of 500 emails, all one, that's not nice. I don't want, I don't want to respond to, to all the, that. But, um, it has been something I've I've kind of enjoyed and and look forward to to be able to share, however small or big, and to know also, I do know that that person is praying. It's not a it's not a fake, um, because there's been times I've missed it and they've said, mm-hmm. "Hey, you didn't uh, say anything this week. What's going on?" And, you know, and it's like I think that brings up a great point because one of the things that maybe the opposite of this is not simply, and maybe that's the more primary thing is not simply should you be willing to ask for prayer requests, but you should go to people and be concerned to pray for people mm-hmm. because that's actually probably the virtue that should be more inculcated is not necessarily you being willing to be open, but you being willing to pursue people because that's an act of love. Right. Then, mm-hmm. and and you're more willing than to, to offer things because someone else has showed a prior interest mm-hmm. to you. Um, yeah. and that's a, that's a, I think that's a helpful thing to be reminded of. Yeah. Well, real quick with the rest of our time, I think the way that we should take this is from a pastoral perspective. Cause I do think that that's what needs to be done in this passage. You know, Paul is asking for the church family to pray for him who started this church, who helped train the elders there at the church, uh, to be the pastors there at the church. And so no doubt this church family looked forward to getting letters from Paul, to hearing from him, from seeing him. Uh, because in the passage that you read, past, uh, Spencer, uh, yesterday, there in Acts 20, right? It was Acts 20, I believe. Uh, Paul gathers the elders of the Ephesians, uh, of Ephesus there, and he, because he's leaving. And I think he even said at the end, like, you're not going to, you're not going to see my face again. 
And so you picture that scene, you know, they love him and they care for him and it's got to be hard. And so when they would get a letter from him, it had to be like, oh, this is this is fantastic. And so he's asking as a leader of that church to pray for him that he will continue to fulfill God's call in his life. And so we, I, I broke it down into, into four ways. The first one, when he just the simple pray for me, I talked about from a pastoral perspective of the, the corporate part of pastoring where the pastor is up there preaching and teaching and they've studied and they've prayed and put this effort into it. The congregation's job isn't just to come and listen, which they do and you should do, but the congregation's job also is to be praying that God will use his word through the pastor as they're, as they're preaching. And this is an important Important. Honestly, it's something I hadn't thought too much of. I've thought about my study. I've thought about my own prayer in the message, um, but I haven't thought. I hadn't thought a ton about the church praying for me to preach the passage. Um, you guys put much thought into that at all, or uh, have anything there? I don't know. You're staring at me, so probably not. I mean, not necessarily that, but I mean, I guess my question about this passage specifically is, I mean, Paul's not just asking for prayer that he would be able to fulfill his calling. He is asking specifically that he would be able to be bold, that mm-hmm. he would speak with boldness. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I was just wondering, like, if, like, what, what exactly does that look like? Or how, do, like, how does that apply? Because it's not just like that I would speak, but boldly. What yeah, does that I mean, look in Paul's like case, pastor? it's in, yeah for the pet. Yeah, because in Paul's case, it means he's going to die. Sure. Probably. Yeah. For us, it doesn't look like that. Um, I tried to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I'd have to see in my notes where because I'm I'm jumping ahead. Uh, yeah, it's towards it's towards the end. I guess we can we could lump it all together though, because he doesn't just say boldly, but he also says as I ought to speak. As well, in most commentators that I read reference that to what I tried to say in the message of in the way that God would have him do it, uh, which Paul would say in other places is, is out of love. He said that in Ephesians 4. We speak the truth in, in love, and sadly, a lot of Christians don't do that anymore. They might speak the truth, but it's not coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of uh, the metaverse or whatever, Facebook, and it's angry, and it's just trying to get it out there, you know, and really it's trying, you're using God's word as ammunition to try to put holes into people. And Paul, it seems, doesn't want to do that, and he doesn't encourage Christians to do that. It needs to come from love. But at the same time, as you are speaking the truth, there are going to be those who come up against you, do not accept the truth, and they don't even see it as loving. They see you as being rude or mm-hmm. arrogant. And so that's what Paul was facing, right? He, he was facing trial by uh, some of the Jews. They didn't like what he was saying, but he was that, that's what he's saying. Help me to be bold. They help me to be bold with the truth of the gospel, regardless of what my friends are now doing to me. These are people I studied with and trained with, and now they hate me. They want to see me dead. Or Rome. Right, he he's under uh, imprisonment with Rome, and so they don't like what's happening here. Uh, they don't like what's being said. Now they they didn't have a problem with having all kinds of gods and different gods, but it was the fact the Christians were saying this is the the God. That, well, go well, and also one of the biggest uproars that ever came about was in Ephesus mm-hmm. with the idol makers. Yeah. Um. So I mean, Paul, the Ephesians 
were there when Paul saw that, whenever they saw that, that, that crazy reaction, mm-hmm. um, to him. And also I think it was, um, was it in Ephesus too, where people started to burn their magic books yeah. and people started to repent and get rid of all of their witchcraft and that everything. Problem. And that was part of the problem. So Paul was proclaiming the gospel boldly and then they faced a huge uproar from the whole city and Paul had to get evacuated quietly mm-hmm. um, and get out of there. So I think that that also is just part of the right. real context yeah. of what he means by speaking boldly. Yeah. yeah. And the, this, these guys have flipped the world upside down. Well, I mean, I've tried to, I, I read 2 Corinthians 11 when Paul talks about his ministry. This is what my ministries look like. I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been beat this many times, blah, 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 blah. And, and so it's like as God, for all Paul knows, God could release him from prison and say, okay, now I need you to go here. And he knows that's a long journey. There's so much danger, but help me to be bold, to go wherever you want me to go, mm-hmm. to do what you want me to do, to say these things that you want me to say mm-hmm. in the face of great opposition, which frankly, uh, most pastors in America just simply don't face. Yeah. We don't, I mean, we don't face the same in kind that of opposition. Way. Yeah. But like, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I can speak for myself. I mean, there's certain passages that when I come to them, like I know what I, in order to be faithful to God's word, I know what I need to say. And I can think of like, you know, I'm not thinking of anybody specifically right now, but like I can think at times in preparation, I don't think this person's going to like that I say this. Sure. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of like the critique that might come from this person, or I don't know if this is going to land right, or I, you know, I'm fearful of how this is going to be received. And in that moment, like I, like I would covet the prayers of our church members that would pray that I would be bold to declare God's word because it is as I ought to speak, right? What yeah. he's declared, right? I find it more in one-on-one discussions with church people or Christians or maybe non-Christians at times um, where they seek counsel in something and the answer you have to give is not going to be a good answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I need to tell this husband the problem in their marriage is his selfishness. He doesn't want to hear that. And they're thinking it's something else, but it really is going to go back to this. And so trying to have the boldness, but also the capacity of love to do this in the right way, to really speak the truth uh, here in this situation. And what I have found probably is that's the most times where it's hard to be a pastor because I haven't faced too much ridicule from the community, from you know newspapers, from anything like that. Most of my hurt as a pastor has come from within the church. Uh, people angry at whatever it might be, uh, directions thing go, or or something that was said from the pulpit, you know. And you know, there's been a time I remember I was, you know, you said that because of me. Like, no, not really. I mean, I you weren't even on my mind in that passage or whatever. Uh, and so then they're hurt. And when you're trying to actually love somebody and care about somebody, and then they bounce back at you and it comes maybe even out of nowhere. That, that for me is what's been the hardest uh, at times uh, that I've had to face. And maybe in the future it'll be different um, where there'll be persecution in other, in other ways, in other areas. But uh, that's what it has been so far. And so I could see for me and asking is, is help me to continue to love even those who hurt me to continue to love them because they're part of this, this flock. You know, and help my uh, 
ego not to get in the way, help my pride uh, to be pushed aside, uh, to continue to serve how I how I should serve. Um, and that that's just me personally, I guess, where I've had it the worst. And, and on a scale of one to 10, you know, what Paul faced to 10, I mean, I'm probably down in a two, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and, and whine about it, but that's just, that's where it comes from the, from the most, you know, uh, I don't know if that answers. I think you had kind of a question with it, but all right, so Paul says, uh, pray for me to do this boldly. Um, I do think, though, that I remember when Pastor Roy, I was a little younger, but I think I was in the ministry at this time, and me and my brother-in-law were with him. I remember him saying something. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition, but I remember him saying to us, what I face as a pastor will be nothing compared to what you guys face as a pastor when it comes to persecution and stuff. Because he just saw, he, he saw at the time, and I think he's right, uh, the tide's kind of turning secularly of the image of the church, where before most communities were very welcoming of the church, was very happy to have Christians. But now we have kind of seen a, a little turn. I, I don't think it's turned as bad as what some people think when you actually start talking to your neighbors and stuff. But we are seeing a turn to where, to me, it's becoming more realistic for church leaders and Christians to face much more persecution uh, than we have seen in the past. And I remember him telling me that and thinking, ah, you're being kind of, I don't know what the word is, fanatical or something. You're kind of worrying about something. But I do think it's true. I mean, I think about that even with my own kids, you know. It's like it was probably much easier for me to be a faithful Christian in school than maybe it is for you right now. Or even as you get to be an adult, you know, the stuff you're going to face and experience is going to be harder uh, than what than what I'm going through. And so, to me, that raises the level of importance of what we're doing as pastors to make sure that it's not sugar-coated stuff, that it's not, you know, just stuff to make people feel better. We want people to come to church so that they just leave feeling good about themselves or whatever. It's cemented in me more and more, I feel, all the time. We have to make sure we get this right. You know, you picture Paul at Ephesus sharing the gospel with these people. They fall in love with Christ, and he's teaching them, and he's realizing as well, some of you very well will die because of this. You know, and you, are you going to stand firm when that comes? You know, are you are you planted securely in Christ? You are in Christ to know that when that comes, you're ready to you're ready to take the hit because Paul's saying here, pray that I would be bold enough to stand firm, right? Pray that I would be able to do that, and I hope that I'm I can stand firm. I mean, I I've said this before. I'd love to stand here and say, gunman walks in here right now. You trust in Christ? That I'd be able to say, absolutely. But I've never had that happen to me. Never. That's never, it's never come up. I would hope I'd have that boldness. Uh, but I want to be able to teach and preach in a way as a pastor where those under or in our flock here have that assurity and boldness, the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to withstand uh, the waves of the, of the world that are continuing, it seems, to get bigger as they crash ashore uh, on us. Uh, and so uh, I think that's what's kind of coming from Paul here. You know, help me to be bold. Uh, 
and to speak as I as I ought to speak, uh, not how I want to speak, but as I as I ought to speak here, which I think, as I said, is is in a loving, caring way for uh, for the flock. And so, <clears throat> I see our job as pastors. And maybe I don't know if you guys have anything to say about it, but I don't want to say as more important than it was ten years ago. It's always been important. We really need to make sure we have the nitty-gritty of this nailed down and in our people because that is where you stand strong. And I've seen too many Christians fall away and fade away into the world. And it's sad to see, but it's because they just don't have those core whatever tenets of the faith nailed down and then how that then plays out in life they haven't thought through it well enough and so they've just went with the wave i'm just going to go with this wave and they seem to be happy in that and that's sad to see because that's not what god has called us to do instead of being bold they've shrunk and and went aside now it's being portrayed as boldness in some cases but it's not boldness in terms of the world or in terms of God's word, um, it's more, I'm going to be bold and stand up against the church here and go my own route. Uh, and that's sad to see, but it just places more an emphasis, at least in my mind, of how important it is for us as pastors, Sunday school teachers, those who are teaching the word of God, to make sure we're doing it uh, doing it well and in the power of the spirit uh, also. Um, you guys got anything? I just talked for like 10 minutes straight. No, I think... I think the idea of an ambassador is really important because Paul right, yeah. Paul doesn't represent himself and we don't. I have no authority as a pastor in my calling as a pastor to tell you to do anything that the Bible does not tell you to do. And my my authority is restricted to that. As a shepherd, I am I, I was I've been reading a book and it says we are simply Jesus's heir and boys. We do only what he wants us to do. Um and we say what he wants us to say. So Paul wants to proclaim it boldly because he's a foreign minister. He represents a kingdom that is not of this world. And his job is not to tell you what Paul thinks. His job is only to communicate the official message from the kingdom of heaven to the people on earth. And that's the end of his commission. And that's why Paul will always say that I may fulfill my ministry that the Lord gave me. That I, because he's a chosen vessel, remember in Acts, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He is the one that God chose, and to do that, and we've all been chosen to represent Jesus here, and um, in our calling as Christians, as members of a local church, we represent Christ, and we, and Christianity is not something that you can um, simply remake in your own image. It's something we inherit from the Word and from the saints that have passed it on to us from the past and you have to take it or leave it. Um, and that's the boldness that, that is called for. And I think it's a humble boldness because then what we're saying though, is I didn't make this stuff up. This is what we have to believe. This is where we're going to cast our eternal, the weight of our souls on this truth. It's been revealed to us from the Lord Jesus Christ passed down through his church, preserved in scripture. Um, and, and this is what it is. And we lovingly, we want to shepherd each other in that truth. And and also I think you're I think you're right about the fact that we live in a world that is more hostile to Christianity. I mean, this is Pride Month. We have a whole month dedicated to something that 
50 years ago would not have been upheld, Mm -hmm. but now is celebrated. And if you don't celebrate it, you are regarded as the early believers were regarded as you are regarded as a hater of men. Mm -hmm. That's what our early, the ancient Christians were regarded that way because they were calling people to repentance and they viewed that as an act of love. The world today views that as an act of hatred. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so I think being ready to, to preserve the, the, what's Paul talked to Timothy, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've got a deposit. We want yeah. to guard it and we want to pass it on to our children and to others outside the church so that they can believe it and have that deposit as well. Yeah, I love that you called it a humble boldness because I think sometimes when people get a picture in their mind of what boldness looks like, what we have in mind is kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Tim, of like the ranting people right. on Facebook or the people who have the megaphone and are loud and noisy and um, and whatever, you know, like they, they think of the Westboro Baptist people. Well, yeah, they yeah. think of like those who are boldly, you know, standing firm on the truths. And we look back at like historical figures who have been bold in the past, but we don't often think of, well, that's looking back in the midst of that person being bold there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of uncertainty sure. and it, there was a lot of humility and all they were doing was standing on what they believed to be true. And so boldness in your case is not going to look, I mean, I'm talking to the person listening in your case is not going to look heroic. You're going to be accused of, of being hurtful or hateful, maybe even hurtful. I mean, talking about pride month, hurtful towards your own child. Yeah. That's how our culture is going to portray yeah. you. Right. But boldness is not, you know, standing firm, it is saying what is true right? and holding fast to what is true and good. And uh, it, it's you're going to need humility mm-hmm. and prayer to do it right? because the temptation will be to give in and to not be bold. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why Paul encourages us to pray. I mean, we he just said, you know, pray for all of the saints, but then he also then goes on and says, pray for me. And it's something that we need to keep in mind as a church family, we need to be constant in prayer, never ceasing in prayer, having this attitude of prayer. And that includes for your fellow uh, Christians, members of this church, but also for uh, the pastors and the teachers of this church. And I think as we pray for each other better, we will love each other better. Uh, We'll be more united. Uh, And instead of maybe seeing things in a way that is judgmental at first of somebody, we'll be more willing to give grace uh, to our fellow uh, co-laborers in the Lord or to our fellow church members. And uh, remember last week uh, it was brought out in the passage and in other areas how prayer really is an overflow of the heart for what God has done for us and an understanding of what God has done for us. And I think that's something to continue to reflect on in your own life because I think that can be telling about your prayer life. It's like, man, I just can't get my prayer life jump-started. Well, maybe maybe it's because you're not loving God how you should, and you think you think prayer can just be like a, a scheduled time, I'm going to do it, I'm going to go, and that's not how this always works. Uh, maybe it is you need to uh, spend some more time with the Lord and reading his word, uh, listening to some good sermons, being a part of the church worship. Uh, maybe it is listening to good songs uh, that will help you to reflect on God and his word and to teach you his word uh, to help enable in you uh, the more of a desire than to pray and to seek after him. And again, I think I think Spencer mentioned this, but 
every single person listening to this and who's here speaking can say, no doubt, we can all get better in this area of prayer. Uh, and I just encourage you to do your best to to be praying, to try to be thinking about that, asking God to even help you in that endeavor, uh, and to be faithful to that. Because the Bible does speak over and over again of how God uses uses prayer uh, in his church and in the lives of individual Christians. So let's do our best to to serve him, to honor him, and to worship him, and to, and to be prayerful in those things. But thankfully, uh, we have a Savior who has done all that we need and who has loved us and who has saved us from our sins and who has went before us in all those areas that we just can't accomplish, including our prayers. He prays for us, the Bible says. He intercedes for us on our behalf. And so we're thankful for that, and I don't ever want to be be forgetful of that either. But I think we'd also be remiss to say, I have no doubt, there's people in our church who pray for us as pastors all the time. And I, I'm very thankful for that. I would ask that you would continue to do that. There are those silent people who probably never say anything, but they are faithful to pray. Um, and that's one of those ordinary things that you're not going to become a superstar over it. You're not going to become famous over it, but you are being faithful to the Lord. And I, I'm very thankful for you and pray and hope that you will continue to, uh, to do that. But next week we'll finish up Ephesians. We'll wrap up this, the end of Ephesians here. And then in the summer, we're going to get into some Psalms, probably going to do an old Testament book, a smaller old Testament book as well. Maybe one of the prophets or something. Uh, and maybe, uh, still praying about this and thinking about this, but maybe a series on worship as well, uh, I think would be Maybe helpful uh, before we get into another another book that we just go through for a while. So, uh, be praying about that. Looking forward to doing that. Well, I hope that you have a, a blessed rest of your week. I hope, Lord willing, to see you back here at Northern Missionary Baptist Church on on Sunday morning. So, thank you for listening. God bless. <laughs>